Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. And 22. What a busy month this has been, Susie. KT, maybe we have too many friends. I know we have a lot of birthdays. It's the month of May, the merry month of May. Unbelievable. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I know we have first and most important. Your sister. My little sister, Barbara. Happy birthday, Babs. How old is she going to be now? 61. 61. Yeah, she's 61. And then Grover, your dear friend. I love you, Grover. And then we have Maureen Davis, who lives with us here on the island. And So many and birthdays. two days ago was Jennifer Littlehale's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, you know, so many and birthdays. we have three or four or five more coming up in the week after that. So happy <laughs> birthday, everybody. All right. Welcome, everybody. Are they everybody. all Tauruses? I think so. Um, no, because now they're going into Gemini because they've passed the date. But but 20 is a Taurus. For sure. For sure, yes. But then when we go to the 21st, 22nd, we go into Gemini. All right, so which all is my little me, bulls. Which is me. What did you get me? I don't give you a birthday gift. You are my gift. I know. We don't exchange gifts, if you recall. We do. We make things. We make cards. Want to make... know what I'm getting KT for her 70th <laughs> birthday? No, what? You do know. What? I have decided because... Two years ago, we were all going to go salmon fishing. By the way, this is Ask Susie and KT anything. But anyway, besides that, we were going to go salmon fishing in British Columbia. COVID. And then COVID happened, and then my injuries started, and da-da-da-da. And I am definitely going with her. Yay, you are for sure. For sure. No matter what. No matter what. Yay. I've been afraid to go with her. I've been afraid to do that trip. So this trip has been postponed now for two years, yeah, two but, seasons. But, but we're doing it, and I've decided I don't care. I'm doing it. I'm facing my fear. Also, I just have to tell all of you something else. Do you know what I want to tell them about facing my oh, fear? she's going to go back on the stage. Yep, I've accepted two talks. For 23. For 23. 2023, which we'll tell you when we get there. But Susie finally said, KT, book it. I have been postponing and canceling so many requests, so many. And she finally looked at me. She said, I am going to face my fear. I'm going back on the stage. Yay, so for all yippee. of you who wrote me to say, you could do it, Susie. She's going to give it a go. I've booked it. That means I have to show up because I said I would. All right. all right, Katie, what do you got for us today? Okay, so it's May 19th. This is the Ask Susie 
KT Ask Susie Anything podcast. Also, before you ask, for those of you who want to write in a question, you can do so on the Women in Money app, download it on Apple Apps or Google Play, or go to Ask Susie, S U Z E podcast at gmail.com, and you can send your question in there. And if chosen, we will answer it on the podcast. All right, KT, go on. Okay. This is from Marlena. Dear Susie, I'm ready to fund my trust and prepare to transfer my real estate property currently held in community property in California. Do I need to hire a title company to move my property into my trust? Or do I go to the county tax assessor's office to change the title? If the latter, where do I find the documentation to make this transfer? I think the easiest way for you to do it, Marlena, would just go to a title company and have them change the title from your name into the title of the trust. And for those of you who don't know, Marlena is talking about she's created a living revocable trust that she wants to own her home into the title of the trust so that upon her death, it could pass to her beneficiaries without probate. Or if she becomes incapacitated, then whoever she names in her trust can take over her affairs for her. Just that simple. All right, All go right. On. And on the same topic, Holly, the next question asks, does an irrevocable living trust have to be filed at a courthouse? Did she say irrevocable? Yeah. All right. All of you need to listen to me. I doubt highly that there is anybody that is listening to this podcast that needs an irrevocable trust. An irrevocable trust is one that does not change. It cannot change. And there is nothing you can do about it. Once you put anything in there, it's gone. That's it. Cement. It's cement. It has to pass and do whatever that trust says. You mainly want a revocable trust, a trust that you can change whenever you want. You can change your beneficiaries. You can change anything about it that you want to change. So if the question is, does a revocable trust have to be filed with the courthouse? The answer to that, it does not. And if you're wondering out there, why do we talk about trust here? on the Women in Money podcast is one of the main foundations for your entire financial life should be a living revocable trust, a will, an advanced directive and durable power of attorney for health care, and a financial power of attorney. And those are expensive documents to get. And over 20 years ago, I developed what was called the must-have documents with my own trust lawyer. And now all of you can get $2,500 worth of state-of-the-art documents, good in all 50 states, simply by going to suzyorman.com slash offer. And for $99, you can get that and do all of that in the luxury of your own home. You can share it with all the members in your family. So it's like giving a gift to somebody, your mother, 2,500, your kids, 2,500, whatever it may be. And anytime you want to make a change, you just go back and change it. And guess what? It's not going to cost you anything. Shareware. Susie created shareware. I call it Susieware. (laughs) Okay. Next question is from Irene. Can you please do a class, ready for this, Susie, on how to trade stock? 
Now, <laughs> and I knew it this, why. and I want to learn from the best, which is you. Yeah, you don't trade stock. Mm-hmm. None of you are stock traders. You are people who invest in the stock market. Period. If you are a trader, you buy something, you sell it, you then buy something else, and chances are you will lose money more than you will make money. So the key to building wealth in the stock market, even though the markets are absolutely crazy this year, is by investing in something right now anyway, little by little, dollar cost averaging into it which is taking a specific sum of money every single month and buying something. If you don't know what you're doing, then buy exchange-traded funds, such as the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. If you want to be more concentrated in oil, maybe you buy the XLEs, whatever it may be. But that is how you do it. But you don't want to trade. If you want to be a trader, turn on CNBC and watch Fast Money at 5 o'clock every day. They are traders. They go in, they go out, and you can learn a lot from them. But uh, you're not going to make money if you're a trader in most cases. All right. At least right now, right? Well, these are the types of markets, KT, that you would be trading Mm -hmm. because you need volatility. It goes up, it goes down. You can do this, you can do that. But you better know what you're doing. All right. Next question is from Ida. Hi, Susie and KT, short, sweet, and possibly a quizzy for KT. Ready for the question, everyone? And this is for you too out there, audience. Susie, can I purchase a non-working spousal Roth IRA if I'm already retired? Want me to answer it? That's your quizzy. Want me to answer it? This is your mid-podcast quizzy. Absolutely, yes. And how can she do that? Because she's already retired and she has a spouse. She wants a non-working spouse. Does it say she has a spouse? Yeah. What's it say? Susie, can I purchase a non-working spousal Roth IRA if I'm already retired? In other words, she's but not does working she anymore. Say, does she say if her spouse is working? <laughs> no, she didn't say so that. So how can you answer that question? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ida, we don't have enough information, but here's the good news. (laughs) How can we answer that? Wait, Ida, if your spouse is still working, absolutely yes. Ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. However, how much can Ida put into her non-working spousal? Come on, I just got a ding. Come on, Katie. I Um, miss going. I I think... um, Half of what he makes, something like that. I don't oh God, know. I'm going to die. I don't I'm know. Absolutely going to die. I don't die. know. I don't know. As so, much as you can. <laughs> so, Ida, your spouse needs to be making for you to contribute the maximum for your age, which would be $7,000 a year. He or she needs to be making at least $7,000 a year or more, earning that. If your spouse is only making $3,000 a year, then the maximum you can put in is only $3,000. So it's up to $7,000 a year maximum or whatever your spouse is earning, whichever one is less. Want to try repeating that for me now? Yeah, you, Ida, here's the good news. All right, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> let's go on. All right. This is from Sabrina. Help, Susie. I left my job. All right, ready? 
Recently left my first job and started at a new company. My recent job offered 401k at Fidelity. Since I left, how do I manage this money? Do I have to move it somewhere else? Please guide me, Susie. Sabrina just started working. Tell her that. Well, tell her what a rollover is. Well, you Explain left your job, mm-hmm. right? And you started a new job at a new company. That my recent job offered a 401k at Fidelity. The question is, does your new job offer a 401k? You did not tell us that. So you have two choices. You can, if you want to, roll your 401k at your old job into your new 401k where you are working if they offer one. If they don't offer one, now you have more choices. You can leave it where your first job was, usually if you have $5,000 or more in it, or you can do an IRA rollover with it, which means you would contact Fidelity possibly if you like them, or Schwab or TD Ameritrade, any discount brokerage firm, E-Trade, you name it, and you set it up with them. And they will then contact your ex-employer and do a custodian to custodian transfer so that it goes directly from your old 401k into your IRA rollover. Just that easy. Okay. Next question is from Kathy. And this this is kind of sweet. I don't know if you can answer it, but she's wondering, Susie. What does that mean you don't know if I can well, answer I'll it? Well, I'll tell you the question that has to do with um, medical insurance and deductions. Do you know why I am not able to take a deduction for the medical insurance I paid in 2021 because I am a student? Because she's a student. You need a corporation to be able to do that. You need expenses. You need to meet certain qualifications. A student doesn't qualify for a deduction of medical insurance. Okay, there's the answer. Yeah. Next is from Candace. By the way, does everyone like this? It's kind of like boom, boom, boom. boom. I'm looking at the papers in front of her. They're all real short. They're they're like three lines, every one of them, which is what I'm trying to aim for with this podcast. So this is a Susie Shorty. Yeah. My husband and I have Roth accounts with three different firms. Should they be combined to one as long as the original paperwork is kept for reference? That's Uh, from Candace. Well, it depends. Usually, yes, Candace, because you may be finding that you are being charged a custodian account for each one of those Roth IRAs. Maybe you're paying $25 a year for each one just to have them. Also, it becomes very interesting to keep track. What do you have in this one? What do you have in that one? What do you have in this one? And then when you get older, then it's... You (laughs) forget. It's true. But when you get older, the good news is because they're Roth IRAs, you don't have to take required minimum distributions. So it's not like traditional IRAs that you would then have to do the calculation from all of that. But for simplistic reason, I would probably transfer it all into one account. Good. Do it. Next is from Catherine. Hi, Susie and KT. I have a credit card I never use. It costs me $39 a year. Close it, close it. Can I close it? The reason that I would close it is $39 is $39. 
Now, I know very well that I have said to you, do not close down your credit cards because when you close down a credit card, you also close down the credit limit that was on that credit card. And if you close down the credit limit that's on that credit card, it could hurt your FICO score. But I do not like credit cards that charge you. I don't care if it's $10 a year, $39 a year, $95 a year. I think it's a waste of money. So therefore, I would close it down. Now, it's not going to hurt your credit score. If you don't carry a balance on any of your credit cards, you'll be fine. If you do, however, carry a balance on your credit cards, why not try opening up another credit card, believe it or not, with the same credit limit that was on this credit card, but that doesn't cost you anything Mm -hmm. a year to keep it, all right? Okay. Next question is from Denise Delgado. Do you know why I said her surname? Yes, because of because Anna. Because of Anna Delgado, my dear friend. I wonder if you girls know each other. Anyway, here's a simple question, and I'm actually going to answer it for you. Can the living revocable trust be named something else other than my name? And the answer is, sorry, Denise, no, it cannot. It needs to be your legal name. Why is that? Because it's a legal document. It's your living revocable trust. So it's my living revocable trust, and I want to call myself Snoop No way you want to call it Lucky Crab. Look, that's her email. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's the thing. Again, we're talking about the living revocable trust. The living revocable trust is created by somebody known as the trust store. That is the person that created the trust and absolutely makes every decision over that trust, as long as not only are they the trustor, but they're also the trustee. So it's their trust. You want to make sure that your legal entities know that it's you. And if it's not your individual name and something happens to you, how are they going to know whose trust this is? So you keep it in your legal name. All right. Next question, Susie, is from Joyce. I am single. I'm going to be 60 years old and plan on retiring in five years when my mortgage is paid off. The advisor recommended putting 60% of my 401k into a bond fund. I know you do not like bond funds. Do not like bond funds is putting it mildly. Wait, all right, all right. Be calm, be nice. I also know <laughs> you, you, I also know you do not recommend stocks within five years of retirement. Where should I put my money? So she needs your guidance, Susie. So Joyce, on the podcast on May 15th. Just last Sunday. Yeah, just last Sunday, I talked about a lot about bond funds versus bonds. I don't mind individual bonds because individual bonds have a maturity date, okay? What I do mind is bond funds. So a bond fund is a fund made up of individual bonds, but it does not have a maturity date. Therefore, if interest rates continue up, the price of that bond fund will absolutely continue to go down. And bond funds have been decimated this year, decimated. So why would an advisor tell you to put the majority of your money into a bond fund right now 
when bond funds are absolutely being obliterated. That I don't understand. You would be far better off, especially as interest rates go up. And again, listen to the podcast on May 15th that look into treasury notes. Do a whole combination of bills, bonds, notes, whatever, because there will come a time again when interest rates have hit their top that you may want to buy a 30-year treasury bond because then as interest rates go down, you can make a whole lot of money. So for now, if I were you and you want to keep your money safe and sound, look into shorter term treasury bills or notes. That's number one. Number two, it's not that I don't recommend stocks within five years of retirement. I don't recommend you having money in stocks on money that you're going to need for any reason, not just retirement. So you have to be careful here. So is there an amount of money that you want to keep safe and sound that you know you're going to need by the time that you turn 65 and retire? Now, it may be all of the money that you have in your 401k. If that's true, you can do that. But you have to just be careful at this point in time. Again, listen to the podcast on May 15th. Great. And this next question, Susie, is going to make you really mad. Right? Don't Everybody. tell me it's about whole life insurance. <laughs> is it? Yes. I knew it. This is from Shonda. Shonda, listen up, because Susie's going to get really mad. My insurance agent keeps pushing me to switch from term to whole life insurance. I know you've said in the past many times not to do this. He keeps sending her emails and letters after she says no, and she has good reason. She's doing exactly the right thing. I have a 12-year-old son and only plan to keep my life insurance until he was 18 or out of college. I just want to make sure, Susie, I'm doing the right thing. Ready for this? This part's going to really want you to strangle this guy. He tells me I can make $40,000 on whole life. Thank you. So tell Shonda, stick to her. Yeah, Shonda. Fire him. Here's what I don't like, that he keeps pushing you. He's pushing you to switch from term to whole life. These are the words that you used. Why would a financial advisor be pushing you to do something? Every single month, he calls you, he writes you, he sends you emails. Why is he so desperate? Because he needs the money, Shonda. Because he, okay, T, you're so smart. Yep, he needs the he money. He needs the money. Now, he tells you that you he, that you can make $40,000 on the whole life. Everybody should see Susie's face is too. Red, she's so mean. Here's what I want you to do, Shonda. I want you to call him every single day and say to him, Can you tell me if I buy this whole life policy, how much money you're going to make, sir? How much money are you going to make? Ouch. Now, there is not an advisor in the world that is talking to you about anything other than a treasury bill bond or note or I bond that can say this is guaranteed because that's the only thing that's guaranteed by the full faith of the U.S. government. There is no way 
that he can say to you that you can make $40,000 on whole life. I don't think so. In fact, I know that this will be the biggest mistake you would ever make. And can you just stick to your term insurance? When an advisor, all of you listen to me right now, when an advisor is pushing and pushing, it is seriously because they need money on the commission. And whole life, universal life, and variable life insurance policies are some of the highest commission items anybody can sell you. The whole life could have a 90% commission on the premiums that you're going to pay the first year. Don't you dare do this. Don't you dare do this. Don't you dare do this. Okay, calm down. <sighs> calm down. All right. Ready? This is from Dana, and I love this question. Hi, KT and Susie. I've been following you for many years. My husband plans to retire in four years. What should he do with his 401k so he doesn't lose his money till then? He has 480000 and 90% is in a stable value fund, 10% in the stock market. He's still contributing to his 401k, but he's nervous about the stock market and losing his money right before retiring. Should he be in the stock market and perhaps dollar cost average or just hold 90% in the stable value fund until he retires? The reason I like this is that Dana, why didn't he write to Susie and ask this? <laughs> I could tell that Dana, you're the one that's guiding him. So Susie, what should yeah. her husband do? So as you all know, I think this is going to be an incredibly rocky year for the stock market. I think that we will go into recession by the end of the year. Mm. Who knows what's going to happen in 2023? So at this point, however, he might just want to stay exactly where he is. He has only 10% in the stock market. I'm not exactly sure what you are invested in, your stable value fund. But even though we may go down eventually in two or three years, it should come back and we should be okay, maybe five years at most. So the timing may be good for him to stay where he is. But if he's nervous and he's not liking it, he needs to know that if he comes out now, he's not going to be able to go back in. You cannot time the market. So it is very possible that we could... Just keep an eye on it, right, Susie? Well, no, it's possible, KT. These markets could go down another 20 or 30% mm. from here. Aye, aye, Absolutely aye. possible, everybody. But if you keep dollar cost averaging in, and if you look at the stocks that you have, and if your funds and or stocks are only down maybe 10% or so, then okay, not so bad. But if you're down 40 or 50% and you need the money, you've got to make a change. Next time, have him write in too, Dana. <laughs> okay, next question is from Debbie. Hi, Susie. When I retired two years ago, I rolled my 401k into the Franklin Income Fund. I'm not good with risk, so this market has really taken a toll on my nerves. Besides an annuity, is there some investment I can roll this into without paying taxes on it? So Debbie, if you're concerned about your money, I'm sure that you did an IRA rollover with it at some brokerage firm. 
And within that IRA rollover, you could buy, if you wanted to, treasury bills or treasury notes or something like that, that could mature in two or three years and you would be safe and sound during this thing. However, the Franklin Income Fund hasn't done that bad. I think it's down, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to guess, but I have a feeling about two and a half percent so far this year. Not so bad. And it's yielding you almost 5%. Pretty good. The reason that I might say you want to stay in it, believe it or not, is that your financial advisor sold you a loaded mutual fund. So you've already paid the load and the load on it was probably 3.75%. So that means whatever amount of money you gave him or her, they made 3.75% on that money. You already paid it. Now, the ongoing expense ratio for most Franklin funds, so I imagine that's true for this fund as well, is about 0.62%. Not so bad, not great, but not so bad. So you're already in this. You already paid a load to be in it. So at this point, given that it's kind of stayed pretty good Over this downhaul, you might want to look into it and talk to your financial advisor and maybe just stay put right there. So he gave her some good advice. Well, there were other ways she could have bought income funds without having to pay the 3.75%. But But that's the, Katie, I don't like loaded mutual funds. I know you don't. I'm never going to like loaded mutual funds. And that's just how it is. I have one more question from Doug and Lisa. That's it. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is from Doug. So Doug's making. Are you sure we have time for it? Yeah, Are I you like sure? this. Yeah, I like this question. <laughs> Hi, Susie. Hope you're doing well. I came across an article online that talked about a once-in-a-lifetime transfer from your IRA account to your HSA account. You bet you can. So, what's your advice on moving some money? from an IRA to an HSA. Do it, do it, do it. From the tax-saving point of view, this appears to be a good thing to do. So do it, do it, do it, Doug. Do it, Doug, do it, Doug, do it, Doug. Doug, here's what you need to know. What you read is correct. You have the ability once in your lifetime to take money that you have in a traditional IRA. You never pay taxes on it and take that money and put it into what? A health savings Savings account, account. which goes along with a high deductible insurance plan. Now, if you do that, you now have it in a health savings account and you can invest it there if you want to. And if you use it for a qualified medical expense, it's tax-free. So think about that. You can get a tax deduction because you put it into an IRA. Now it's going into your HSA. And when you use it, it's tax-free. Fabulous. Fabulous. However, there's a maximum that you can roll this year or transfer. If you're single, it's $3,650 for the 2022 limit or $7,300 because if you are married or have a family, then it's $7,300 is the maximum that you can put in unless you are 55 or older 
And if you are, you can add $1,000 to those two numbers I just gave you. Either way, you should max out to the most you can possibly do. It's a fabulous thing. Do it. All right, Susie, that's a wrap. So we don't have an ending quizzy for you. We did my quizzy and I got a ding, ding, ding. I did good on that. All right. So I have a made up quizzy that I'm giving you on the spot. All right, go for it. I can do it. Positive. I'm, I face my fear every day with these quizzes. <laughs> Go for it. All right. This is from Susie. Okay. She seems to know a little bit about money. She wants to know, does KT know <laughs> that if KT buys a Series I bond, when can she touch the money and how much will it cost her to do so? Cannot touch it for at least a year after it was purchased. Zero. And then I can touch it after that. For how much? Please, KT, do not do this to me. Come on. Come on. The whole the whole podcast community is rooting for you. Years two to five, what is it going to cost? Come on, please. I'm begging you. Please, you're joking, right? <laughs> Come on, Katie. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Be, be safe, strong, and secure. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? You don't know the answer? No, I, I do know the answer. Three. Three what? Three percent, Of what? What do you mean of what? 3%? It's not three percent. It's a three what? Month. Yeah, 3%. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I just want you to all know that. Can you all write in and give her some help here? KT, it's a three-month interest penalty, years two to five. Yeah, yeah 3% what? 3% penalty. So you have No, to- it's not a 3% penalty. It's a three-month interest penalty. It's a three-month interest penalty from years two to five. That's what you have to give up. That's what, you, that's what you're dinged with. For taking some money out. Did you really not know that? Or were no, you playing did, with me? No, I did know that. We've gone through it last, okay. last week, All right. this week, Sunday. I mean, this is like one of my nightmares. That's a nightmare quizzy. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> All right, everybody. It. Until next Sunday, right? Be safe. Be strong. strong. And most of all, be secure. And can you just know how I-bonds work? Can you do that for me, everybody? (laughs) All right. Bye-bye See you later. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. 
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.